You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, July the 7th, 2017. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us again this morning is Eric Sprott. Eric, how are you today? Hey, Craig, I'm very well. Um, another tough week for us, but uh, lots of interesting things to talk about. Well, that's for sure. And of course, before we get started, just a reminder that this weekly wrap-up segment is brought to you by Sprott Money, an accredited Royal Canadian Mint Bullion DNA dealer. Please visit SprottMoney.com to learn more. Eric, we'll uh, start today with some economic news. The big news today, of course, a once a month we get the U.S. employment report. We got one this morning. A few more alleged jobs added than what were expected, but the Average work week was kind of disappointing, and the earnings numbers was disappointing too. What do you make of this? Yeah. Well, I, I, it's interesting you use the word alleged, and of course the uh, the private payrolls. I think we're up on something like 178, and the government supposedly was hiring 50,000 in the month, which I find surprising considering the status of all governments that we read about all week, with Connecticut and Maine and Illinois and all these various. Um, States that can't seem to pass budgets and obviously are destined to be declaring bankruptcy sooner or later. Um, and, and the number on the surface looked good. The reaction in the market was kind of muted. And I think the reaction is muted because nobody really, uh, I think, one trusts the number, uh, believes the number. Uh, and, and there are so many other things that we have to look at that are saying, hey, we know it's not good. Why, why would we think the employment picture is good? And the reason we know it's not good is, we see car sales that have been weak. They were down 6% in uh, June. We saw retail traffic was down 6%. So we get two sixes here in the whole uh, consumer spending area, which is a disastrous situation uh, that's, that's befalling the economy. So no matter what number the, uh, the BLS wants to tell us is happening, I think the market is kind of seeing forward to uh, the fact that the economy is rolling over. Does it almost seem uh, in a non-event as well to you? It, it's almost as if uh, more Fed rate hikes are baked in the cake at this point. Well, it would seem that uh, the uh, central banks uh, sort of universally want to suggest that rates are going higher. And maybe with this kind of job number, because it seems to be such a focal thing, the jobs number, more so than a lot of other things, they might go ahead with it. Um, you know, I, I've always thought that, it's not justified that we have a very weak economy. If it wasn't for the low interest rates, we'd be in big trouble here. And, of course, now we've seen some rates moving up this week, particularly the 10-year rate, which means the mortgage rates are going up, which means that housing is going to continue to be weaker and auto sales are going to continue to be weaker. And I've always been a firm believer that in the last uh, almost about 10 years now, it was the, the low rates that held the economy together because people could buy houses because rates were low. They could buy cars because the monthly, the weekly or monthly payment was going down because of low interest rates. With rates starting to back up here again, that trend of uh, lower home sales and lower car sales, I think, will continue here. So I, I don't think it's justified, and I've said that before, but uh, you know, who knows uh, what they're really trying to accomplish. I think they're in a, they're in a no-win situation. They're going to do whatever they want to do regardless, it seems, Eric. And, you know, uh, I've noticed, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of nuance in the coverage of the of the markets these days 
whether it's the stock market, the bond market, the foreign currency markets, it's almost a more of an acknowledgement of central bank involvement really in all markets uh, across the board. And with the stock market looking like it's beginning to teeter, uh, are, you, are you seeing that as well? Do you sense that oh, too? Yeah. And, and you, there's some great reports come out. Uh, Steve San Angelo did one recently that sort of showed that the VIX, uh, the, uh, the trend of the VIX going down, the volatility going down is not in sync with the sort of economic data uh, and other statistical measures that we have that that would show that there should be a lot more volatility than we have and of course many people are writing that the central banks are using the vix to to keep volatility subdued and almost force people to buy stocks yes institutions and so on and i have no doubt in my mind that when i see the collapse in gold sort of 11 12 until today the VIX constantly declining. The volume on the stock exchange is going down every year. The Swiss National Bank buys stocks. The Bank of Japan, of course, owns a huge swath of stocks in Japan. The Bank of England buys stocks. And i got to believe that one way or another, uh, whether it's the central bank or the uh, one of the government funds is involved in this stock market and trying to uh, keep it going. Just as, as the Fed is involved in the economy by making rate zero or negative, as in the case of Europe, just to keep the thing going. Otherwise, it was going to fold over. So I, I continue to, to uh, keep that view. And as the economic data uh, weakens here, I just think that uh, that that is what has to play out if rates are going to go higher. It will play out. Speaking of manipulated markets, my friend, uh, we sit here on a Friday. And just as a heads up to everybody listening, the last two Mondays, June the 26th and July the 3rd, have seen uh, tremendous smashes to the price of gold. Uh, this last one on Monday was particularly egregious in such a light volume kind of pre-U.S. holiday trade. Uh, do you see more of the same going on there? Oh, God, you know, Craig, it's the toughest thing, right? You just see these things that that no real seller would ever do, right? I mean, there's no way the seller would be in there on a Monday when there's no trade. Uh, the bona fide seller knocking silver down 50 cents, and it's really silver they've been after all along, okay? That's where the, the bigger imbalance is on the COMEX that the, uh, the silver... Comex holders seem to be uh, somewhat resolute and kind of holding on, and they really had had to work hard to kind of blow them out. And and they use these days when there's really nobody in the market just to change the market level and and break all these technical barriers and and run the stops, as we would say, and 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 they end up getting the price down. And it's um, it's very depressing for those of us who are sort of students of this market and have to watch this nonsense going on. You know every two, three months, you know, we, we, it'll go up and it'll come back down again. And, and I sort of marvel at these, um, these uh, professional hedge funds that just get wiped out, wiped out every time by the commercials. I mean, it's just such a repetitive thing. You, right. you kind of wonder, well, how often can this keep going on before those guys go broke? I mean, I'm not one to speculate on futures like that. I, it doesn't affect me one way or the other. other than it's a little distressing at the time, but, uh, Obviously, I have a view that uh, given the passage of time and, and seeing what's going on in the real physical markets that we're going to win the day. But uh, yes, it is, uh, it's depressing to watch these things unfold. Eric, to that end, and again, just to illustrate the sham of these paper markets, last evening, last uh, just Thursday evening, uh, last night, 
at 7.06 Eastern Time. Okay, so there's really nothing going on. There's no markets that are just then opening. There's no news flow, anything like that. But suddenly there was a 5,000 lot order for the September silver contract that appeared for a sale, dropped the price 10% in a matter of uh, milliseconds. 10%. You know, we, we talk about the, the May Day massacre six years ago. Well, that was about 10% as well from, you know, 50 down to 45. Here it is again last night. Nothing has changed in six years. And just the ability of someone to drop 25 million ounces of paper silver in illiquid time and trim the international price by 10%. It's amazing. Right. And then we sort of cry out, where is the investigation, right? I mean, right. these things are easy to trace. I mean, these are members of an exchange. Who, what member put that order in there? And what was their intention? And, and what do they do about it? And what's their history of trading? You know, how do these things happen without the regulator doing anything about it? I mean, I know how it happens because the regulator is not regulating. But, I mean, it's so shameful that, uh, that that kind of thing happens. And the same thing with the Monday uh, when silver went down 50 cents with no one around. I mean, it's, it's just a... A deplorable situation that we're in, something that uh, unfortunately we have to uh, to live with it for the time being, and uh, hopefully it'll end in some dramatic up move uh, created by a physical shortage in due course. And speaking of physical, we we actually haven't had the best of physical news as of late, so maybe maybe that'll turn in our direction too. The GLD is down a little bit in inventory. Uh, I know India yeah. has been a little bit weak in demand as they're waiting to get their tax picture settled. Perhaps maybe the physical picture will turn a little bit here in the weeks ahead and maybe that'll help the paper price. Yeah. Well, I did hear that India demand was incredibly weak uh, this last month because of the, uh, the new tax they're putting on where the buyers uh, weren't in a position to know what the tax was, so they just didn't buy. Now, that could be have some very interesting um, ramifications if in, in this current month of July, all of a sudden they come back in and they buy in July what they would have bought in June and July. Right. So uh, that, could, that could swing things around because I think there's still lots of uh, inherent demand in India. Uh, it, it's growing well. They seem to be having a decent monsoon season. Uh, we're going to get some seasonal strength starting up here very soon in India for the wedding season. So I think that's going to look good. Uh, I, I think there's lots of uh, buying in India and Russia. And, but I think the biggest thing has been India this year. It's had such a dramatic turnaround. So I think we're good there. Uh, uh, there's a, there's the, the, the fact that we could have a geo, geopolitical event at any moment. I mean, it's hard to believe what's really going on in North Korea that, you know, the, the push and shove from uh, one party to the other that's going on. And uh, hopefully nobody uh, makes a decision to do something radical. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's something that's going to hang over our heads, uh, not only this year, but probably next, too. But to uh, that end, yeah. uh, we can probably just leave it there for this week and uh, pick it back up next Friday. For now, I want to thank you sure. for your time and wish you a great weekend. Let's hope for a good one. All the best, Craig. And from everyone here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.